You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Wine Pod commences at this moment. Bo Roots here, Nick Ba. We have our friends at Onyx Automotive's fantastic wine that they sent us two bottles. We might have to get with them and have them send us more because this wine is like this wine's so good. You buying a if you don't even need a car, you should get a car just so you can get a bottle of wine with this. I think that's not put, a bad. Purchase. It's not a bad decision. I think it's a good combo meal at this and point. This is that reserve. This again. is that reserve thing. And shouts out to Go Currency for sponsoring the Wine Pod, by the way, making this whole thing possible. If people that don't know, Bo brought a book. It is my book. I shared it with him. Returned. Returning to me, we're our own little book club. At the, hopefully, we'll save a little time at the end of the pod. This is Chuck Klosterman's book, The Nineties. Yeah, it's a it's a fascinating. I I thought it was. An incredible read. It's fun. We're we're nineties fans. We're huge nineties. Question guys. for you: Are you a quickly remove the book sleeve? Like guy? immediately, you don't keep your book the sleeve, sleeve and and then it becomes really challenging because every book kind of looks ridiculous. Like yeah, this almost looks like uh, for people on YouTube. It's like it's pink. It's right. It's like Babalicious <laughs> Bubblegum, the story of how we became the best bubblegum in the world. Like it's it doesn't it doesn't look like the nineties book. The sleeve. A sleeve on a book is just a lot to it's a lot to manage. Okay, everybody can admit the sleeve isn't fun. No, it's not fun. But the sleeve, the sleeve on sucks. the shelf, and when you look at the book, a good cover. Yeah, matters. see what? Well, why do we have to? Why can't we? It's twenty twenty two. Why can't we put the? You know, why do we need a sleeve? So the I've got a couple. There's these books, uh, a company called Stripe Press, and they do that. Like the book. The, the material book cover is, is the yeah, like the, what it has the design and it's like a thick, must be way more expensive. Not bad, not to not. Too well, I'm saying for, I bet to manufacture, it's it got to be way be. more expensive. It might be, but it is. I love the like. I like the books. Okay, so you and keep the sleeve on the book. Everyone, wow, just because it looks good on the it shelf. It does look really good. Yeah, and covers. I think people are getting more creative with their covers. I agree. I just I am one of those guys that I, instant. I mean, Instantaneously, I was just thinking. Uh, I held it the up. Cover. And like they're gonna go. Well, it's a white book. Okay. <laughs> also, I are you a bookmark guy or do you fold the page guy? I, I never fold the page. I used to be a fold the page guy, and then when I purchased Will the Will Smith book at O'Hare <laughs> Airport, it came with like a good, like a good yeah. bookmark. So now I've been a bookmark guy. My wife got me a bookmark <laughs> of like pictures of her and our daughter on it. Oh wow! As like, and you know, I'm sure it costs like. Two dollars, but like it was That's very a, thoughtful. Like, oh, you know what? Great. That's great. And I got a couple of them, and now I use them in the books. And they're oh god, is this the most boring conversation of a? <laughs> uh, uh, and then and then I like uh, and then I went to the dentist. Sometimes I like going to happy hour. Do you like happy hour? <laughs> we'll get to books. Okay, we'll get it. to the books. We'll we'll get to the books at the end. Uh, do you want to? Should we should we pour it on up before we get started? Usually we cheat. We're we cheaters. Have, That's what I mean. We are, this is- we are on the show, cheaters. This is a heavy bottle. It's the only thing they need to slow down on the. Weight of this battle. By the way, speaking of weight, did you see the controversy in the fishing world? 
I did. That was that was I incredible. Didn't know. That's amazing. That was incredible to get caught red-handed on video in real time. And they're Stuffing, dropping yes. they're dropping the weights like from the gutted fish. And this guy was just standing there and they're just screaming at him. So for people that don't know, this this is a big fishing controversy. This is it a group of people or is it just one guy? I think it was a team. Like oh, okay, a like a team. team. Basically, like a team got caught stuffing fish with weights at these competitions. Oh, yeah. And I didn't realize. I figured it was about a mount of fish. You'd be like, one, two, three, four. He <laughs> caught five. He's the winner. I didn't realize that it was. It was. Like, what, what do you think goes on? I don't, I, let's, say, let's say me in the fishing world. You've gone fishing with me. Oh, man. We about had to. <laughs> you are not. A, you don't day. like to. Hey, you cheers, were, by the way. Yeah. You, you do not like. Uh, I mean, we went fly fishing. You were great. You were really into fly fishing that day. So you, I'm so proud of you. For fly fish. I think it was just when we were like 12, we went out one time fishing and you were just so crunk, but you would swing, you'd catch a sunny and you'd swing it around to me. <laughs> and you were not going to touch it. So I had to take off all your fish. Well, <laughs> so when this would have been, fish off. well, no, how about this? This is even worse. Um, when, we were pregnant with Mac, my second little dude. My wife and I went out to Big Sandy Lake, and we had like a weekend out there. Me, her, Mava, my daughter. We we go fishing. Somehow, like we, we had the fish all the fishing poles already to go. I catch one, and I do what every manly man would do. I swung it to my like <laughs> seven month pregnant wife, and she had to take it off the hook. Well, Nick, you know that woman is she unique. she likes doing stuff she's like that. unique like it, her day is made if she, she can did like oh my god can't believe you make me why would you do that i love doing this but no so the i didn't realize that that's a what i didn't know is there were hundreds of thousands of dollars at stake for these fishing competitions so oh, yeah. i can understand why because when i first saw the video everybody was so mad and i'm like okay Every, I thought it was just like you want a ribbon and respect at the old bait and tackle yeah. down the street. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you got respect from old Bill at bait and tackle. Bill like, bait and tackle, you make the wall, you win the tournament. <laughs> like I thought, honestly, thought you were winning. It was that to much, make the wall. It was that much money. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Oh wow! Over See, the, that, and I think and I think he had done this. This is like multiple. Oh, you, you he's know, a multiple offender. Yeah, you know that this is like that's not the first time, and so people are starting to like in yes. real time. They're realizing. I like they they know where they ranked and they go they're counting the money right. this person stole from right. them. They know I had this no is idea. Fake, you know. It's I like, had no idea, but yeah, if you haven't seen it, the video is pretty amazing. I mean, getting caught red-handed like this that is red-handed. Yes. I mean, that's unbelievable. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. I had no idea that that was a that People was a were thing. Pissed. I would oh, love yeah. to see. I mean, if that if that were Bill at old bait and tackle. I think having it on video is good so everybody can see it, right? And it's it clarifies what happened. But if this were ten or twenty years ago, I think that guy just probably gets dragged behind <laughs> the barn and gets Bill's bait yeah, Bill, 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 him down the Bill's bait and, and Bill takes out a baseball bat and beats his legs. What he beats the fish? <laughs> what do they got to club the fish that aren't quite dead? Is that a thing? They would use that club. Yeah. They would take the fish club at the Bill bait and tackle, and Bill would do the honors, yeah. whacking them. Bill would be like, seem like the nicest guy. Like, oh, what's going on here? And they're like, oh, well, he he was cheating. He's like, oh, that's, that's really terrible. Come around back here. Why don't you come here for a minute? He's like, and he pulls out. He's like, this is going to sting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, 
I had no idea. But I now how much did those fish weigh? <laughs> Tell me now. I had to, so you're more impressed. If I catch twenty fish that amount to fifty-five pounds, that's less impressive than three fish that weigh sixty pounds. Um I'm an amount guy. You're a quantity over quality person, but you're telling me. <laughs> I want to be that guy that you know on my wall, it's not like a big old marlin. It's like Fifty little sunnies. Fifty sunnies. That's would be kind of cool. How but. like real fishing people would they walk in and just be like, "What? What is this?" Nick Ba like hit a thousand singles, never a home run, didn't care about it. Like, it's like that's what that's. I mean, come on. Uh, is it about is fishing so about the? Here's the, what I don't know. Reeling them in. Is that what it's about? Because your boy's I, about to <laughs> cast. You know what I'm saying? I try to cast on that ass. Nick, I'm going to cast on that ass. Is it about reeling them in? No, Nick. It's about get him in the boat. Is it about the cast? That's like that's like an all time. Well, no. I'm saying like I feel like people when they go to Bill's Bait and Tackle afterwards, are like, I took me four hours to <laughs> reel in old old Molly catfish, over here, catfish hunter. Like I didn't know. That's what I mean. Is it about like the battle of getting it in? It is about getting it in the boat. I think that's okay. all it is. I mean, so think like it's like asking golfers. Like, is it about the backswing or the follow through? It's like hitting the ball. Okay. I don't know. I didn't know. You know like, I mean, I'm just I'm trying to learn about fishing culture at this point. And I don't know about. I like to cast culture. on that ass though. <laughs> Like the I think the fishing world needs me. That's what I think. My, my casting. It actually would hard. work way better that you don't know anything about. So you'd ask questions like that, and people would be like, <laughs> "Build bait and tackle." They would not appreciate. But, okay, that, here's but. what I don't know: Is it about? Is there a limit to the amount you can even weigh? Like, can you bring yeah. in twenty five? Or is no it like, idea? I know nothing. It I has didn't... to be like ten or less, and so you want your ten biggest. That's a good question. Yeah, like we you don't get your, know. That. I don't know that. I don't I know. But it's I, that. I assume it's like you can up to however many. Right. And you got to take your five or ten biggest. I would think. So. I I've, I don't even want to say I would think so. I have no idea. I thought it was just about amount. Like you I've were like, watched remember them. when Bubba Gump shrimp when they finally like cut the thing yeah. and the, all the shrimp comes into Jenny Forrest's belt. Like I thought it was just like that. Like if you you brought in think, a bunch of I little fellers, it was all good. Because I see, I've I've watched. I grew up watching enough fishing, which is. Oh I love I love watching fishing. Right. Up. Is fishing still on TV? Oh, yeah. Okay. There's a, channels dedicated to it. But like, <laughs> it used to be like, you'd see people like, they'd, pay, they'd catch a little one and they'd throw it back. Like in a Bassmasters. Like so right. okay. that tells me they can only weigh so That's many. That's true. And I they mean, want I, the pigs, you know? They want the big daddies. They huh? want the big daddies. Okay. Yeah. Well, so see, I just don't know what the number is. I have no idea. But yeah. the reason we talked about that is because this wine bottle is like abnormally heavy. I don't know what is that I mean, how we no we talked about because we talked I thought it was heavy and no, that's you're talking about the 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 weights in the oh that's, how that's what I'm saying that's why I got to it though it's just like the weight of the oh, bottle and the weight of the fish so to ju I did that to justify my tangent I, I don't want to just go on a tangent for the sake of a tangent, tangent. <laughs> you gotta you gotta justify your tangent yeah speaking of tangents are we ready to do this you want to oh, get your headphones on yeah. and do this for me Yeah. Okay. Spiel. No, no. It's a song. It's a song of the, I mean, we call it the song of the day. It's really the song of the week at this point. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you got a song potentially later for us. This song is by a guy, a gentleman who I, for a long time in my mind, would never include them in like my top five rappers of all time. For some reason, he just would not be up there. 
until I really critically thought about it. I'm like, this guy is like 1000% in top five of all time. I'm going to play this and then I'm going to explain why I am playing it. Okay. So here we go, my friend. Snoop Dio double G gin and juice. Okay. And the reason I'm playing this Snoop a few days ago said, quote, me and Dr. Dre have been working on an album for the past two months. and It'll be done in November. It's produced by Dr. Dre. With so much drama in the LBC, it's kind of hard being Snoop D-O-double-G, but I somehow, some way, keep coming up with funky ass shit like every single day. Okay. It's going to be done in November. It's produced by Dr. Dre. It's the 30th anniversary to Doggy Style. And the name of the album is called Missionary. No! Yes! Whoa! The name of the album is Missionary. Wow. It is Dre. It is Snoop. It is Snoop's album. Dre is producing the whole album. It is in homage to one of the five best rap albums of all time, Doggy Style. My brother brought that home in 94 or 93. It said it came out in 93. So I remember my brother brought that home and it was like. It's a big deal because the album cover was very racy. Parental advisory. Yeah, right, I don't right. know. My mother let us get oh, it, yeah. I'm sure. And, and I don't know why. But my brother brought that home and we were like. I mean, eight, no, nine and ten. Right. And I mean, it was like, it was a big deal to have. It. Huge it seemed deal. like a huge deal. I do remember going up to your room and see, and you guys had it. Yeah. Because at that time, you know, the chronic came out. So you had nothing but a G thing, yeah. Dre Day, you had all that. Then that led into Snoop's first album. And I feel like that's when West Coast rap became like to the roof, took yeah. off. I mean, of course, you had before that you did have NWA and different things, but like the the Dre Snoop explosion from like 91, 92 to ninety four, yeah. and then even lead into to Pac when he went to like that ninety two to ninety six was enormous. And he was like ninety three, four to ninety six, and the, yeah, because All Eyes on Me I thought came out in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, but how about that though? So Dre and Snoop are in the studio together. But Dre, so the thing I kept hearing about Dre and all those documentaries is he's been working on yeah, detox, like, yeah, called the, detox, the album that yes, is like, yeah, that he just can't. It's like his creative masterpiece that just is not right, right, and he's not going to release it. Like he's kind of stuck in a way. Um, so I think maybe this is good that he's like letting it go because Snoop seems like the type he's like. Snoop's, I'm just not worried. Snoop, if people love it or hate it, I'm going to put it out. Snoop where, has a lot of albums. Yeah, where Dre's, where, he's like a perfectionist type, right? So. I think it's going to be good that they're like they're back together working because I mean Snoop with Dre is the is, is the best. Different, it's a it's totally a different, different creature thing. when he's with Dre, and I think the fact that they're willing to like say this is in homage to Doggy Style, like they must feel pretty good about where it's going. And to call it missionary is hysterical. It's, it's great. That's great. But uh, I mean, we'll see if they bring the goods though, because can you find a sound that isn't just trying to repeat what they did? But is something new? I know. What do you do? Do you just go good? back? To, do you just go back to the well? I wouldn't mind if they went back to like. I'm the, okay with that. Like the, the same formula of it, and I guess I like the uh, like they they used to sample like a lot of the, like the P funk, like the right. it's like a lot of that 70s and 80s soul funk stuff. Yes. They sample. I actually think that would be kind of sweet. That'd be fantastic. 
So I am yeah, like, but still making it something new is, right. would be hard. But I like I like the old model of of this like the the the, the, the funk. sampling. I of love the, the funk. See, I like the funk, funk. Yes, of it. But how exciting is that? That's great, isn't that exciting? I, I mean, how about that new? He told it on Stephen A. Smith's podcast. He broke it to Stephen A. And yeah, that's the worst. That's idea. the worst. Now, now, first and foremost, <laughs> let me just tell you that Doggy Style is one of the most overrated albums I've ever seen in the history of music. Get, but Stephen how about that? A, Stephen A. can talk without breathing. Yeah, it's for amazing. A minute or two at a time. Right. It's not. It's it is amazing. Incredible. He, he can just, just he just goes and it's clear. You you know you, if you really listen to someone, you can hear when they, <gasps> you know, you can hear it and you or you can like see it. He just did the 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 not necessarily my favorite. It's probably I the most expecting. It, I know. I was like, I, I stumbled on that because you said I stumbled on this a couple days ago. And so, yeah, oh, I'm excited dude. about that. I got to say this wine is good. It's real good. Mm-hmm. You want to know what's on the menu tonight? Show me your wine list. We sir. we have we're going to talk about Wisconsin firing Paul Christ. Uh, there were some results for a poll question uh, on what's a better job, Wisconsin or Nebraska. Want to get into uh, some of Mark Whipple's comments that he made? Very interesting. Let it whip. We got a Rutgers preview. We got a couple other things. We're going to also talk about Chuck Klosterman's book, The 90s. So that's what's on tap. I like it. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. And I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it. And how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors. By Pella, won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. I want to get, usually we start with Nebraska, but this story I think affects Nebraska. Yeah. It's been a while. In fact, I'm not sure I can even really think of a firing now, granted, we get we get caught in our own bubble in Nebraska, and Nebraska has seemingly led the nation in firing coaches over the course of the last 10, 20 years yep. here. I don't know if I can recall a firing of a coach that I was more genuinely shocked when I saw the news on Sunday. Unfortunately, the news broke right after we finished our, our recap pod that Wisconsin had fired Paul Christ. Um, real quick, let me give you some of his numbers here. So here is his record year by year. Okay. 10 and 3, 11 and 3, 13 and 1, 8 and 5, 10 and 4, 4 and 3. That was the COVID year. 9 and 4. He won three Big Ten West titles and he was 6 and 1 in bowl games. And he dominated Nebraska. And dominated Nebraska. And after losing to Washington State at home, getting blasted at Ohio State, and then getting crushed by Illinois at home, Paul Christ is out. It makes me feel like there has to be maybe more to the story 
than we're seeing because this guy, former player at Wisconsin, he's a Madison native. Like this is a lot of people have have likened this to Frank Solich. Like this is Wisconsin's equivalent of firing Frank Solich. Although it is interesting that he uh, reading some stuff, it looked like he had a buyout of twenty million that had gotten reduced now to eleven million. So it's interesting that he was willing to part ways with you know almost you know basically ten million dollars voluntary. I, yeah, I mean, I think they came to a reduced settlement, a reduced. Why would he? Uh, why would he, why would he that's that's why I'm just curious as to what what all is is I mean, involved him, here. Uh, that's yeah, nine million dollars. Like, what do you mean? Like, right? What, what's well? What? Okay, so what was your? Are you as shocked as I was? I was shocked. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I the, I think there's some salt in the wound that Bielema at Illinois did yes. that to them at home. That right. that was that was the straw that broke mm-hmm. the camel's back in that situation, but. Um, I, it doesn't make sense to me if you look at his record and what he's done there. Like he's dominated Nebraska. He's dominated the West for the most part. Yeah. Wisconsin's been the lead, the lead player there. Iowa would be second. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Wisconsin, Wisconsin right now is playing with fire. I mean, unless they know something I don't know, which is either. Yep. I see two doors. I see Jim Leonard's our star defensive coordinator and, He's gone soon if we don't get move him up or be like we think Leopold's our guy and we need to get in the running now. Right. Um, but either way, you're firing a coach that's won a lot of games and has a winning record. And from experience, which I preach over and over, is you're you're playing with fire when you fire a coach that's won for you. Right. You will you could end up where Nebraska's end up. I mean, yeah, we don't know what happened with Solich, but let me tell you something. Solich was a winner when he was here. His program yes. was a winner. He won at Ohio. 59 and 24 record. Yeah. Played a national championship game. You know, like I I'm totally with you. It it is uh but it's so because I I definitely think there is something to well, here, let me read this to you. There was a report from Matt Hayes. He's a college football reporter, and he wrote a story. I'm just going to read this paragraph to you about the Wisconsin firing. It said, then the college landscape began to shift, and four Power 5 coaches were fired in the first month of the season. That meant four programs who could come after Jim Leonard, more specifically Nebraska, with its similar ideals and culture. Or a Wisconsin source told me Sunday, quote, we weren't losing Leonard. So okay. then that, that gives you maybe a leaning that it's less Leopold and it's probably more Leonard. But why, even if, I mean, so you, so this was the so, time to, for the, for the reason I'm, I'm just trying to like, so it's just weird this. to fire your head coach because you think your defensive coordinator is more. Basically they think Jim Leonard is more important than Paul Christ. So there, there could be a perception probably rightfully so that like the best coach on the team is Leonard. Like he right. makes that team go. Their defense has been great. Um, I wouldn't doubt that. I wouldn't either. Now the question is, have people already been reaching out to Leonard? It's, That's a possibility. We don't know. This is speculation. If people have reached out to Leonard already, maybe Nebraska reached out. Maybe who, who else? Um, well, Arizona fired? state fired Herm Edwards, Georgia tech fired whoever their coach is. You know, Colorado fired. Those are all in the Jim Leonard. Yes. You know, especially Nebraska. Yeah, especially Nebraska. So I have no idea if Nebraska's reached out. Um, But 
Wisconsin, if they think he's the future and they've sort of lost the, like, it doesn't work without Paul Chris type of attitude, then I, okay, maybe this is their time to go. We've just lost three in a row. Let's bring in the guy we want anyway. Like this is we maybe they were hoping this would happen when you in the lay next it out, three years. Yeah, when you lay it out like that, it makes sense. It's just a really odd dynamic to say out loud that your defensive coordinator is more important than your head coach. And in fact, we will fire the head coach in the first month of the season and pay ten million dollars just to give our defensive coordinator show some I don't even know what it really show I'm just I'm I'm, unless they feel like their team is that much better because of their defense that he has that he has seemingly clearly set himself apart from the other coaches and Chris like they think Chris is a good guy probably they've won with him but they don't feel like he he raises the collective yes more than Jim Leonard, Leonard does. Raises the well, play. if you watch them play over the last handful of years, they're winning because of their defense. Defense and run the ball. I mean, that's 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 what they've done. So their offense has been always up and down. Their quarterback play has always been very, very up and down. Up and down. Um, good running backs has been a staple, but they play defense. It's just it's such a fascinating because again because th- this is why we're we're not just this isn't a Wisconsin podcast this is like this impacts it because now this is this move is a huge threat to in all reality three coaching targets that Nebraska probably has their eyes on number 1 Lance Leipold Lance won multiple national championships at Wisconsin Whitewater yeah. so he's had success in the state I think he may have coached in Wisconsin at one point. I well, think. that's at Wisconsin Whitewater. Well, I, thought, you, I thought even at, at Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I'll have to Maybe check like his assistant. wiki here. But but he was definitely a, he's a Wisconsin. He's from Wisconsin, right? So that to me tells me like so you got a guy that's from Wisconsin, Jefferson, Wisconsin. Yet he was he was a GA at Wisconsin from ninety one to ninety three. That's a special time for Wisconsin. That's yes, like. That's when Barry first kind of took right. over and got things rolling. And then he was at Wisconsin Whitewater for multiple years from 2007 to 2014. So you got a Wisconsin native that is a GA of Wisconsin that won national championships at Wisconsin Whitewater. That is that has Kansas five and zero game days coming to Lawrence, Kansas this weekend. And I mean, you're talking about a guy that could win national coach of the year if he keeps this shit rolling. See, I, that's where I'm like, I'm wondering if it's more that, you know? Because that, I know. That's right. I wonder to me, if it's, it's I, to me, it's like those two seem like head and shoulders the biggest reasons. I, I just don't see it as just like, we just want to go to take a coaching search. I think it's got to be like, they know. I, I feel like, especially Barry Alvarez is in the AD right uh, anymore. He retired, obviously, but but he's one of those guys. He's sitting in the back room like, hey, you fired Paul Chris. That's following me. I don't know why he's a god. This is a bad godfather. <laughs> But you gotta look out for Bopolini. He's coming from Youngstown. You gotta look out for Bopolini. <laughs> if I am, that's okay. I'll pay for it. It's okay. Whoever comes to you to make the deal, they're the traitor. They're the traitor. Okay, that's what I'm saying to you. But Jim Leonard, he's got a bright <laughs> he's future. He's a made man. <laughs> he sm- smack him in the cheek when I talk You're to him. You're a good boy, Jim. Good boy, Jim. <laughs> you blitz. Blitz on third down like a good boy, okay? But it, the fact that 
it makes me think that they have either a they, they have a plus board. That's a really bad. I don't I've know what that was. I feel like I couldn't remember any of the lines. I couldn't either. Santino's a hot. I just think you know, it's a lot of this, you know. Okay, but, folks out there, send us a couple Godfather lines. That was lines. bad. Other than uh, offer it can't refuse. I'm going to make him an offer it can't refuse. $10 million, that. get the hell out of town. What was the name of the uh, Barzini? Barzini? Yes, right? Yeah, Barzini. I think that's right. But whoever was going to come to you to make the deal is the trader, and that was the guy that Abe Fagoda played. Right. And so that's Barry in a back room making all these st- – because, like, I just have a hard time feeling like Barry – like, it seems like even though he's not around, Barry would have had to sign off on this Barry on some level. Off. He's like and, he's like T.O. here. Like they, yeah, like yeah. – They really – you know, what do you think? You know? Right. So it makes me think they got a plan. And either they got their guy, either they know it's Len- either they know it's Leonard, and I think it's door one, door two, or I- or the other guy I thought about is Dave Aranda, Dave Aranda, Jim Leonard. That's what I know. That's what doesn't make sense about it. It's a defensive guy. You got to defend. Like I think, is there a chance? Either- you know, what would be a scary thing is because Lance is Lance Leipold's an offensive guy. If you could keep Jim Leonard around, but I don't know how that really works. I think if you're Leonard. Because Leonard, right? I think, Leonard is either going to be, it seems like now Leonard's either going to be the head coach at Wisconsin next year, or homeboy is either a head coach somewhere else, or I don't know. I mean, he, he he's the type to me, though, he, he uh, I don't know him, uh, but I get the sense like he's a Wisconsin guy. He's probably one of those guys that is very, he likes where he's at, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. What do defensive coordinators make? If you're good, you make a million bucks. Yep. What do head coaches make? I mean, they're if gonna you're make, good, you're going to make five to eight. Yeah. Probably Jim. I bet Nebraska's going to pay. Nebraska's going to pay their next head coach seven or eight million dollars a year. So That's you, my guess. you can make a million dollars for a couple of years at the mercy of how your head coach does, or they pay you. Let's say Jim Leonard gets seven or eight million over seven years, fifty million dollars. You tell me a human being right, right. now that's a football coach that's like, would you rather make four? Right. There is a point where I've always said everybody's 50. got a price. Everybody's got a price. Four or 50. Like my, uh, if the difference between four and eight, you might be like, yeah, you know what? I'd rather be a, a coordinator at a million a year than a head coach at two. Right. A coordinator at one or a head coach at eight a year for seven years guaranteed. Like, I just think it's fifty million dollars. Yeah, it's like, a big what, difference. It's, to turn that down, you got to be like Dave Chappelle. I'm going to Africa. Yes, like, right. I'm going to Africa. Yes, that's exactly. That's <laughs> I you're don't right. need to do the Chappelle show. Right. I'm done with it. Like, and that's that's like a once in a generation turn down. Yeah. So it's just this is a big deal because now there's another viable player in the coaching search world that is very similar to you has ties that are very strong to candidates that you've probably targeted at this point. So this is a significant development here for Nebraska's coaching search, um, which leads me to, I just thought this was interesting. So Stuart Mandel of the athletic college football reporter and writer, he put out a poll question, better job, Wisconsin or Nebraska. And it got about, it got over 20,000 votes on his, on his Twitter. 67% voted Wisconsin. Almost 70-30, which is a lot. Yeah. That's a I know we are biased, but man, I don't know. I, so we're re, we're biased, which we are. Yes. We we are very biased, but that poll is going to have recency bias. That's so, yes. so they're going to say 
what's the better job? It's like, well, the last five years, yeah, Wisconsin, for sure, over the last five years. Right. You'd say that. But let's go back 40 years, and let's go back 40 years in the future. What's the better job? It's not clear that it's Wisconsin. Right. I'm not saying I'm not saying it's like a slam dunk. Nebraska's way better. No, no, it's not. But it's also it's not 70, 30, 30 the other way. No, because just for this very reason, like we've got the history of the infrastructure. We got a lot of things that are in our favor. The Wisconsin has only recently even scratched the surface. Right. Up, right. Like Nebraska, Wisconsin, 20 years ago. It's a joke. It's not even comparable. It's like saying right now, who? what's a better job, Alabama or Kentucky? Right. And you'd be like, what are you talking about? It's not even close. That's That was 20 years ago. Yeah. It's not even comparable. But let's say Alabama struggles for a decade and Kentucky plays pretty good. and be, like Then you'd be like, oh, what's a better job? Oh, Kentucky's been winning. Alabama's been in the tank, right? But Alabama historically is a better program. I think historically we're better. But over the last five years, it's not even close. Wisconsin's. Well, I just think you look at it. To me, there is no real. Yes, I understand. Wisconsin has higher population, all that stuff. But like, I don't know if there's a discernible, massive recruiting advantage that Wisconsin has over Nebraska. It's. I would say it has a little bit. Again, I would. Much. I would lean. But it, we're yeah. not talking about a school in Florida compared to Nebraska. Yeah, they they have a recruiting advantage in the sense of like. Bigger population and closer to more bigger population. Yeah, 500 mile radius. Here. They're, they're going to have a little advantage there. But in terms of going and getting like skilled players, we're in the same the same level. Like, And then, then the thing that, that is, uh, and this maybe depends on how you view this, but I was watching that Wisconsin-Illinois game and any shot of the stadium like a lot of the top rows of Camp Randall, Wisconsin versus Illinois. This is Brett Bielema coming to town. Like yeah. this, a lot of those top rows were empty. That's more normal, Nick. That's normal though. Like, but that's what, but what so, we do is not normal. We are abnormal. Well, that's what's when you can then because then you contrast it with Nebraska has sucked for five straight years. Just fired his head head coach, is hosting Indiana, and the place is sold out and rocking. Now, the hard part is like, what does that even mean anymore? Like, it has we to got, matter. We got fans. We got good fans. That's what and, it means. That's why I never rule Nebraska out because we care more. We've got it so built into our DNA that there's no reason we should all still like Nebraska in, in football if we're all, quote, unquote, bandwagon right. fans. We're not. And that's the part that is underrated. If we can win here, which... They're winning in Kansas. They're, we can win here. But if we ever do, the fan, it's just like we still got the thing. I, it's I, our whole state. I was listening to Tom Chattel put it this way. I was listening to him on a podcast, and he said the, the phrase he used is when it's right. He said when Nebraska's right, it's still a great job. And that's yes. it. Like when Nebraska's right or when Wisconsin's right, I'll take Nebraska. That's what we're talking about. And so, again, I'm not – this isn't two Nebraska homers like – I. I don't think it's like, I think it's a discussion. That's why we're having it. But I certainly yeah. don't think it's a landslide. I don't think it's a landslide either no, way. I totally understand why the, the polls came out as do now because. Because of, because of results over the last yeah, handful of years. The last and that's the thing years. is like, don't confuse uh, who's been the better program, which, which with what is the better job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like those are two different things. Yes. And, and like I said, and it's, 
and it's just like we can't deny how bad we've been. Like we cannot deny that. Oh, no question. It matters how bad we've been. Um, but I think we underrate that the things that are built into this Nebraska state, this we keep using the word infrastructure yeah. on this. That infrastructure is real in Nebraska. And the only way, I mean, we just if we keep losing, maybe it will disintegrate a little bit, but it's there for the taking if we can finally win. Tell you what, though, to wrap up the Wisconsin stuff. It is. There's been a lot of comparisons to Frank Solich. There's been a lot of comparisons even to Bo Pelini uh, in terms of firing a, you know, a, a coach that is winning. And boy, if, if I'm a Wisconsin fan, I, I'm just, just, you, you better, you better have a plan in place and always be careful about being happier than happy. And for your football program, always be careful about being gooder than good. And, I just, it'll be interesting to see there are certain, there are certain programs. And I think Nebraska is this, and I think Wisconsin is this, and they're, you know, the parallels to the program because of Alvarez are, are very real. It'll be interesting to see who they hire. They better not lose the essence of who they are because that's what happened to Nebraska. It wasn't just that they fired a winning coach. They hired a coach that was was not within the fabric or the essence of what Nebraska football was like I look at Wisconsin like I don't think uh I think Mike Leach or Lane Kiffin or these guys are good coaches I don't think those guys work in Madison Barry Alvarez that when we talk about him as the godfather um you know it's we kind of were joking right yeah but, but Barry Alvarez came from Nebraska yeah okay and uh, we know people that know him well, like, mm -hmm. and he is adamant and has been adamant about a certain style of play, play great defense. You run the ball, you can control the clock and it's play action pass. It's, we don't beat ourselves. Like they've been doing it since the mid nineties, since Ron Dane, since like, it's the same thing every year right? and they win. And this is the, this is the, it's an interesting formula. moment for them. And now he's not the athletic director, but we think they're he's gonna bless it. So to me, this is why when I see I think Leonard plays into what Alvarez would do because he says this guy plays defense, we're gonna find somebody that runs the ball. So, like, yeah, I don't see them being like, let's hire Mike Leach. And I don't either. Out. I'm just saying be that careful. Seems... You wouldn't have thought that too in 2003 with Nebraska. They're gonna hire an NFL guy that wants to run the West Coast offense. What? They, you know, that you know, was like a, that was a gamble by one guy. Right. I'm just saying you other plans and don't lose the essence of what Wisconsin is. This is the warning. Wisconsin, you, you do Actually, not kind of. I mean, I don't well, yeah, be like, go ahead. I don't wish them ill will, but go ahead. Hire go for it. Hire a uh, hire run and gun guy. Yeah. Hire someone that's going to air Who's it the out. Guy, Georgia Southern. Like, go hire that guy. Yeah. Hire. Uh, oh, boy. Clay Helton. Clay go Helton. hire Clay Helton. That's fine. Go hire him. And, and that'll, just, that'll, fine. that'll be like, fine. He torched just once. Maybe you could do it again, but guess what? You're not going to be Wisconsin anymore. It's going to be fun, though. I mean, now we'll see what, uh, what Jim playing, Leonard can yeah, do. Try playing de defense, Jim Leonard, when you, you, when your you offense goes three snaps. and a half. Yeah, yeah, right. 90 snaps. It's a little different. That's it. It's a, it's a little different. Um, this, you know, I've actually sat on this topic for a while, and this actually is a topic that we should have saved for the offseason. But I just want, can I throw it at you real quick? We don't want to spend can too much time. Refill? You want to refill? You want to refill it on up? Well, while you're refilling, let me tell you 
Uh, give a quick time out to about Go Currency. Does your business need easy, competitive financing for trucks or equipment? Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the best available rates and terms for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks, and trailers. In fact, customers can get up to loans for get loans for up to five hundred thousand dollars with little or no money down in terms up to 70, 72 months. Currency can also help if you're getting serious about buying a new or used motorhome, fifth wheel, or utility vehicle. It's pretty easy. Just fill out an application. Currency finance team will get to work finding a lender with the most competitive options. It's quick, secure, and free to use. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com for details. GoCurrency.com offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC, DBA, currency pursuant to CFL. License 60DBO-54873. All right. I don't know why I thought of this, but I thought of it today. I've had it written down, but it hit me again. Is there a consensus goat, consensus greatest of all time, Nebraska football player? Not consensus. I think there's a top three. Okay. I I because I, I said there are I said in my mind there are era goats. There are like decade goats. Uh, so the seventies, s- you'd go Johnny. Yeah. Eighties, Rogier. 90s T Frage, 2000s Crouch Sue. Yeah, but I think it, to me it's still like you you can do that. I think it comes down to three guys. I think it comes down to Rogers, T Frage, Crouch, and okay, let's go through this because this is where it gets really hard. I think is Crouch to me has a special place. And I think he played a lot of snaps. Like I I saw that guy maybe play more snaps than any of them. So this is where it's kind of hard. And I feel like my initial gut wants to go with crouch, but I think if you are talking about goats, winning has to be involved in it. Right. And T phrase and Johnny Rogers, they got two of them. Are one in you basically have to pitch pick between, Johnny Rogers and T Frage, even though my gut says crouch, I think he gets eliminated because he never won a title where those two, we, well, and this is where it's tricky because, okay, we don't win titles without him probably, but maybe one of them we do. And the, this is hard to say. I, <laughs> well, I don't think we win without Johnny Rogers in the seventies. I don't think so, but T Frazier's teams were so good. I think the one year we could have won without him. 95, 95, even 96. I don't know, but it's hard because like 96 with T Frazier was the most dominant team ever. So I don't want to discount him because we were so dominant because he was a part of that. So it's hard for me to say, but like, I think it comes down to T Frazier or Johnny but it's also like it's hard to say Johnny's better than T. Frage. See, that's what's it's so many things you talk yourself over all of them in that, like, I don't think there's any doubt that the more indispensable guy for the title teams was Johnny over T. Frage. But what's weird is if you talk to the guys, you talk to any of the dudes in the 90s, and they would they would smack my face for saying that. Like, man, T. Frage, T T Frage was instrumental in being the personality to lead that group. But here's what's hard for me is like just 
this is what's hard for me. And this is also can get me maybe like thrown out of the state of Nebraska. Just if I'm just removing everything else, I can have Tommy Frazier or Eric Crouch. Who do I think is a better quarterback? I will take Eric Crouch. Oh, it's, that's that's so hard because those are like the two. I don't know if they're the if they're the greatest option quarterbacks to ever play. Oh, I think they are. They might be. They might be the two greatest. And I think the only difference is that F- Frazier gets the one up because he won. He he won. He's a bad mofo. He he won two titles. Crouch won none. Crouch won the Heisman. Um, but T. Frage was out for most of that one year. Right. And Behringer got him there, played a half. T. Frazier came in, and, and we needed him to close it. And we T. needed him to close and T. it. T. Frage, we've watched that game again. Obviously, T. Frage was really good. He's that's the thing. It's like in the biggest moments, T. Frage was really lights yeah, so out good. That, that's where it's, it's not fair to T. Frage to say that he's not – because he closed. Like, he's – it's like – yeah, that's got to matter. Like at some it point, it has to matter. To close. He came in and he was out for a good chunk of that season. He got hurt with the blood clots, but he closed it when we needed him to close it. Right, which is like he elevated. Right, he elevated the whole team, the run, the spin, the you know, like yes. that. The he electrified the the nation that night. So this is a tough one. I don't know. I just don't know with that one. But I I feel bad eliminating Crouch because I feel like it's Crouch, but. You get eliminated if you don't win. If I we think, got if we got a guy with two national titles, a guy with two national titles, like I think we got to go with those two, and then say make a coin flip on it or something. I think the answer there's the answer, and then there's like your individual kind of like there's the individual element of it. Yeah, with the answer is Tommy Frazier probably, probably because he's a quarterback, and J- and Johnny Rogers was a wingback returner and like he was Tommy Frazier would you say I mean he was the face again even though he missed a lot of the 94 year he he feels like if you had to pick the player face of the dynasty it's probably T Frazier and and but this is where it's hard because if you're of a certain age you might say you might have saw Johnny Rogers right. day in and day out play. He brought us our first two titles, which is like, I mean, dude, that it started all two titles. It just Heisman, feels so two-time long. All-American. It feels like, so long ago, right? And, and then, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be. And this is maybe because now I'm getting older, and you want like on some level, you don't want people to forget about you. Yeah, you know, like I do not want to be one of those people that forgets about Bill Russell and John Havlicek, yeah, and Jerry West. And, you know, those kinds of guys, Walt Frazier, Elgin Baylor, like you don't want to forget about those guys just because they weren't you weren't around to really watch their greatness. And it's been so long doesn't mean that what they did isn't real. What Johnny Rogers did, although it's it seems that, you know, it's in black and white and their helmets are they got like one. It looks different. Like Nick, man, woman and child, the the punt return in the game of the century, like like. One guy in the world could make that play at the time. Right. He's that one guy. He was the only guy in the world that could make that play. That play sends us on to win that game in our first national title. Right? Like, that's the part where it's hard because I think we were, we were 
God, were we a better team in 1994 and five, right? Like I, that's the part where like, I don't want to hurt Frazier's standing because the teams were better around him. Right. Cause that's Cause not phrase was damn good. So it's, to me, it's, it's, it's Rogers and Frazier. Um, as much as I think Crouch is the best option quarterback ever. Lived. I love Crouch, man. But, I, that's just but like, he's got Frazier one and Frazier's body of work. I think if Frazier's healthy, the 94 season, we're not having a discussion. I think the, cause yeah, it, you're probably right. Because I mean, if, this, if he plays that season out, we beat Miami in the same way we beat him. And then he does the 90, 95. You season. could argue it would have been even more like, I mean, and we think might if, think thumped, if T. Frey stays healthy and is rolling, we're like thumping Miami, and we're not like right. But so, the, so yeah. that's where T. Frey gets, I think, downgraded because he missed part of that championship run. Um, and, and then we he had and a we damn held good. Up, we held he, up without him, and he way. had a damn good. I mean, Brooke, Brooke was no joke. Well, Brooke was a good player, and that's where it's. it's so it's like, also you can't that, punish him because Brooke was a baller. Yeah, and, but, that, but that's where he kind of is getting punished just in the like, we're talking about the GOAT. We're talking, we're measuring every little bit. Rodgers wins two and is the best player, Heisman Trophy winner. Um, Crouch gets punished for not winning. So the same way we, we punish you and we give you kudos right. for what we got. Can I make you the bouncer at Goat Club, Nebraska Goat Club? And you're at the bounce. You're the bouncer. And I'm just gonna throw names at you, and you're either oh, you're either how many moving people the can road be in the Goat Club? How many people can? Be? I'm gonna throw. I got about like ten plus okay. names to throw. We at can you. have so, ten goats. So I will throw so you. So Johnny T. Frage Crouch. You're you're they're in. I'm opening the rope. Okay, go, go on in. Of course, VIP. Indomitian Sue. Go on in. Mike Rozier. Go on in. Grant Wistrom. Go in. Trev Alberts. With his fantastic work as an athletic director, <laughs> Chef, you're. I feel like you're gonna have a hard time not letting girl, in. Girls okay. with the uh, uh, with the the bottle. Hey, Trev, no, Trev. Trev's got girls with him. That's why Trev's got girls. So Trev's brings. You got three girls, two guys. So okay, it's Trev and three girls are coming in. Okay, Trev and Grant. Okay, come on in. Okay, uh, <laughs> Jason Peter. Um, he's got three of them things. Nobody else of has three of them things. things. Um, goats. We're talking goats. See, here's, here's the issue. And Sue's in the building. Is Grant Wister? Are you letting Grant Trev's in the building? Is Grant Wistrom in the building? Oh, wait. So if Trev's in, can Grant Wistrom come in? Did Wistrom already get in? I think he already got in. Did I tell you? Did I give you? I think so you Wistrom's Wistrom. in. J, so is Jason? I think you, Jason, you, you can throw Jason out the club. I'm not going to throw Jason out the club because I but know he can't what, go to VIP. He can't go to the goat VIP room. He's at not this in the point. VIP room. He's in the club, but not in the VIP. Room. <laughs> okay. Uh, Remington. He's got an award named from yes. Dean Stein cooler. In the club, but not in the goat section. In the club, not in the goat section. Turner Gill. If he wins in 84 and 83, all it takes is one two point conversion, one catch. How many go? How many quarterback goats? It's a lot can of we're have? getting crowded with quarterback goats. I'm gonna I and I love Turner. I love him because he's a great human being. But we're talking like goats. Can you can't have twenty goats? Okay, we're gonna Listen, have you're the, you're the goat bouncer two, at this point. Two at max per position is what I would say. Okay, well then let's move on. So Turner's in the club, not in the goat club at this point. Correct. Lawrence Phillips. 
Already got Rozier in there. The, Do I got, not I already, the goat. I throw Rozier at you? You Rozier's in not in the goat club because he because I he got another running back right behind field. him in line. Just oh, so you know, gosh. so you check in. If you you know you peeking ahead, even or, though like if if Lawrence would have played out what his capabilities were, he when might L, be in the VIP. Remember when LP came in the '93? Oh my god! Game I mean, we went, I mean it, it's it's this. That's a tough one because talent wise. There's some goats that he might be more talented than. Amon Green. Shit. This is a tough one. Are you only allowing... Is Mike Rozier in the club? Like, everybody's like, damn, Mike, you're only <laughs> running back in the club right now? Oh, Mike is in the, Mike's in the club. I know Mike's in the club. With a fly-ass hat. Him and the brother Guy, they have, yeah, Mike, they got it. Mike always has like the Mike stays dressed for the goat club. Mike, somebody said, Mike, you should dress like a pimp sometime. <laughs> and he's been doing it he's since doing 1982. It oh uh, man, but he's a, he's a good guy. So Amon, if you got it, you know what? Let me to, just to let me steal say. to steal. Bill, like if you even have to think about it, they probably shouldn't be in the goat club. Oh, this is tough. This is tough because. I'm you not, don't got a I'm, lot of guys in the GOAT club, but oh, that's how it man. should be. You're telling me I'm leaving Amon Green and Lawrence Phillips out? And Turner Gill. Okay. And Jason Peters. Here's what I'm going to tell them, okay? You know the, They're pissed. You know the dude in the suit that's got the headphone? He's like, I got Turner. I got Lawrence. I got Amon. He didn't say no. He said, guys, wait here. Okay. So let's so wait they're, there. So they're figuring some things out. They're not kicked out. Okay. But they're like, Because right on, now man. I'm envisioning Jason, LP, Amon, and... Turner, they're at the the bar, like four deep, trying to get the. They, they can't even get a drink. That's oh, what we're yeah. tra- we're treating those guys. That's how we're treating them right now. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> okay, uh, Rich Glover, you throwing him out the club. He'll throw your ass out the earth. Rich Glover goes with he goes with Amon and and Laura. Okay, all right, Neil okay. Smith. I only got two more names, so you're this is a stressful situation. I put you under. Being the goat bouncer—that's a—that's a position nobody wants. Oh god, nobody likes the bouncer. Let's Neil be honest. Smith, the, the issue with Neil is like I feel like I didn't get to watch him play, and I know his pro career See, that's so you well. Can't necessarily let the pro. This is about I'm what they did in Nebraska. College because like, Johnny know. didn't really have a great pro career. No, you know? and, that's and what obviously needed to crouch or Frazier. The goats all didn't go on to go do. We're their- talking Nebraska guys. I mean, Neil's stallion. Uh, I'm gonna say. No to Neil Smith right now. Oh, wow. Look at you. Okay. I know it's terrible. Last two. Will Shields. Goat. Will Shields. Pancake. Teddy, pin your ass down. Teddy, pin your ass down needs to go to Will Shields. (laughs) Pin your ass down camp. And the last one, simply because he holds a record. And he's a bad mother. Shut your mouth. Barrett Root. Oh, don't man. Are you uh, gonna throw Barrett Root at the club? Here's a question. Here's a question. You can throw him at the club. Here's the real question. Here's the real question I ask you. Barrett Root or Tom Root? <laughs> out of respect, because he is basically my second father, I'm gonna go with Tom Root out of fear of him making me go outside and pick up pine cones because he would do that at times. We had to pull weeds. We had to pull weeds. If he came home and he just didn't, he didn't love what we were doing. He's like, hey, pickle. Oh, go outside and uh, pick up all the pine cones. Why don't you go and, uh, pull some weeds. Like, God dang it! Tom. Okay, so so this is I can't make this call because I'm you, I will you be, are you are I can't I can't throw my brother out the cup. Right, I can't fine. throw my father. But this is that would be the debate with them is my brother, all time leading tackler at Nebraska, my father, Big Eight athlete of the year, 
1974. So not football, like all sports. Wow. I didn't know that. I don't think I knew that. Athlete of the year, which is, I don't think anybody knows that because they don't do that. I don't even, I didn't even know that was an award. That's an award. So in in 1974, he was the athlete of the year in the big eight, all sports across like every school. So that right there is like the hidden Tom rude. Like he might trump my brother in that sense, but Barrett, I mean, obviously all all time leading tackler. So I mean, all time leading tackler is a hard, it's hard for me to say goat to anybody in my family. I just feel like that. That's not the way the roods do it. So I would say the roods will put the roods on the curb and we'll go (laughs) home have a beer. Who, who is the great? But seriously, though, like <laughs> the roots, the roots don't belong. Roots in the don't club. Need, you know, roots don't go to clubs. Bear anyway. doesn't do anything anymore, so yeah. Bear won't even be at the goat club. But I mean, you got it because the best. Who's the best middle linebacker? At I mean, you have Levante David, you have Barrett Rude, you know, you have dudes like Broderick Thomas. So, uh, but Broderick was outside linebacker. So, I mean, I'm going through the years. You got Jerry Murtaugh was. 1970 right yep. he was the, the he was a great one um mumford in the 80s uh we love mumford i love me some mumford what a great guy he was an awesome player too um ed stewart was really good yes jay foreman jay foreman i was gonna say our boy jay uh then bear and then levante i think that's probably uh clearly your top five i don't know if there's a discernible difference between those guys though it's hard. They're all they're all different. really good. That's not a, that's not to denigrate any of them. I would like, say I'm Levante's just... pro career uh, helps. Barrett and Murtaugh had more of a college career, right? So Barrett Murtaugh and, 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 Jay, too. and Jay's got titles. Jay's got titles. Like um, Jay's got titles. He played in the pros, but Murtaugh and Barrett got the numbers. They just tackled. They tackled a lot of people. A lot of human beings got tackled. Um, Murtaugh won. Murtaugh won in in. in 70 and 71 right so um it's tough it's just weird like you would think it's it's uh i mean but all i'm saying there's certain titles like you know the home run king the all-time leading scorer like football a big thing about football is tackling like and nobody in the history of nebraska football has tackled more people than barrett but barrett's not a club guy anyway so, I'm uh, so no i'm not just, 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 i want to put i want to put i wanted to put you on a spot, as his brother okay? i'm gonna be like sorry just... <laughs> i'll tell barrett here's the thing about it's barrett full have you ever met a guy that's got less of an ego like barrett would be embarrassed like yeah he's not if you were like you the goat he'd be like stop it no i mean but he'd be like mike brown's the goat that was Barrett's guy. Well, that, so you didn't mention it, my, I was, Mike I was Brown. The guy, yeah, I mean, so I, think about this. Everybody named Mike Brown, Ralph Brown. You had like, no defensive backs. Who's the goat defensive back? Is it is it Mike? Is it Ralph? Mike over Ralph. Um, you got Mike Minter. Yeah. You've got um, got Irving Fryer at, for receivers. I came out and put Irving Fryer. Probably right, since he dropped it in the Orange Bowl, he doesn't make the goat list. Because I'm his, sorry, that was hard. He's like um, Neil Smith. He's a pro, a pro guy that was better in the pros. So we're talking about college. Um, I think you know, but you also you is Weigert, uh is. There's a lot, man. I was there's I was, a lot of those guys we have to consider on O line. Broderick Thomas was, I mean, not only did you name your dog after him I did. in the late eighties, but he had like a special place 
in Husker lore. Like he was just one of the Nebraska guys, right? right? So one of those people that like, I don't know, I feel like a guy like Will Shields gets forgotten, but a guy like Broderick Thomas, like everybody remembers Broderick. Like even Neil Smith is like, we kind of forget Neil Smith. But, but Broderick by the way, Thomas was I was bad. looking at it. Uh, Bleacher Report did their greatest Huskers of all time. They put Rogier one, Frazier two, Sue three, Remington four, Johnny Rogers five, which I disagree. Then Rich Glover six, Dean Stein cooler seven. If you don't win the Heisman and you've got three Heisman trophy winners, like you need to rethink it. You know what I'm saying? Like Sue's the only guy that like is a defensive tackle that I feel like we thought should have won the Heisman. Yes. T. Frage probably should have won the Heisman, but T. Frage is an auto into like worst base calling him the goat. Um, he's up there, but if you don't win the Heisman or almost win the Heisman, like you don't come before those guys. Right. I think to, to end the conversation, I think the answer is Tommy Frazier, because I think there's some, you talk to some true college football fans and you ask them, who's the greatest college football player of all time. There are some people that'll say Tommy Frazier is the greatest college. Well, and I think if you think of Nebraska, who like the first name you think of is Tommy Frazier. If you're not a Nebraska nut, the first name you think of is Tommy Frazier over Crouch. Yes. Um, over Johnny Rogers. Yes. Maybe Johnny, if you're born before of a certain age, if you're but- born before 1960, uh, you might say Johnny, but anybody born after 1960 will say Tommy. Yeah. How did you like me? I'd hate to be a bouncer. You just, you, I mean, that was hard. I feel bad. I feel bad Nick, that I put you on a spot. I with told, that. I told Amon Green, Turner Gill, Lawrence, Lawrence Phillips, Phillips, and hold, Jason Peter. And Peter, just, did I, did I let Pete? No, I'm going to let Peter in. Here's no. why I'm going to let Peter in. Here's why. Because I think he's going to wreak havoc if I don't. <laughs> there are certain guys you got to pro con it. Just say, just let Peter in. Just give him a drink. Give him one drink. Christian's there in the back, and Christian's like, you didn't get in? And it's on. Yeah, it's on. So let's let those guys have a drink. Yeah. Okay. I'm Nick, you know what? I'm gonna let them all in. I know. I love I, them all. The, they're all my. They're it's all cool my that people. like you got. I mean, you you get to like twenty names, and it's like it's not laughable to throw them out there. No. You know what I mean? And like my favorite thing is though, I definitely didn't let my own family in. But that shows. <laughs> but that shows that you're you're a good bouncer. You're not just doing favors like you're doing. Look, what you I know do. you raised me. I know you did, but. I, we're full, right? So I tell my dad. All right. Nick Bob podcast is powered by H and H automotive. Want to tell you about the Onyx dealership in Omaha located at 150th and Dodge Onyx won the best of Omaha. Number one luxury car dealer award. How about that? You win the best of Omaha. You do your thing. Offering the industry leading brands like BMW, Jaguar, and Land Rover. I was looking at the Onyx website. In fact, I pulled it up right here. I'm not going to lie, Bo Rude. I think a white Range Rover is kind of my dream car. Is it? Isn't that like I, it? To me, it's just a beautiful car. Like it's a beautiful looking car, and I've never been inside of one. And I'm looking at it right now. The interior looks incredible inside. But speaking of other, so I said Land Rover. They got Jaguar. Didn't your mom? I loved your mom's BMW. That thing. That thing seemed like a smooth car. They're super smooth. I also have a friend that has one, a current one, 
and they're roomy too. Like they're extremely roomy. And as a guy who, like, I rode your back seat, like the the knee room, I was blown away. You're by. You're right. Me. Your mom's car was big for there for are, not a big for not a big SUV type of thing. Like it was a it was big a sedan. It's a yeah. big sedan. But yes. now they have sedans and the SUV Beamers. But yes, man, dude. BMW is fantastic. Your boy, one day, one day I'll be in a a white Range Rover. Okay? Just one day it's going to happen. So that's dream car. That's the dream car for me. How about this? You want another reason to go there? Onyx offers a bottle of wine with any vehicle purchase. I swear to God, that's true. So you're telling us we do a wine pod and they offer bottles of wine? I'm just telling you. I think we need to go there next. Just telling you that's what happens, okay? You can experience it for yourself at 150th and Dodge or online at onyxautomotive.com. That's onyxautomotive.com. Drive Onyx, the new standard. You know who's the GOAT coordinator right now? Mark Whipple. You want to hear what Whip had to say today? Because yes. we got so, so Mark Whipple, we're taping this on a Tuesday. Mark Whipple met with the media and he had a very, very interesting answer to a question. And before I play this, because I think it's important, I had to go back and rewatch the whole press conference to be like, okay, what was the question he got asked? The question Mark Whipple was asked today from the best I could hear and understand the question is, does it seem like sometimes your expectation level is higher than theirs, theirs being the players? This is what Mark Whipple had to say to the media in answering that question. I don't. I don't know if they really think we can win every game. I, I don't. I don't. You know. So we're good enough. I think. Okay. I'm not a genius, but we can win. We can win seven games. We can win these games. Right. We already threw away three of them. I mean, Oklahoma kicked our rear, but I said, you know. That that's that's the expectation is like, hey, not not just to go to a bowl game. Let's we can win the West. That's what it is. So you're in first place. Act like it and play like it. You know. So that that's but it again takes time. But you know, hey, I'm I'm a realist. If we don't get there, I'm not going to be here anyways. So I told them that. And we we win the West. You know, I'll, I'll ride Mickey's coattails. But but it comes down to those guys playing, and I think. They've taken that to heart, and we practice well these two days. So that's I said. I, I told them I won't ever BS them, and um, and I like the I like these guys. I said it, and I told them all I like you. Otherwise, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't play you. Okay, that's whip. What what a you you, you said it, that answer was telling. Do you want to? We got a lot to unpack. Do you want to give your first like? I, I'm very surprised that he went that. Uh, uh, you know, honest, like, oh yeah. He says, if we don't win, I'm not going to be here. Um, he says, I don't know that they th- believe they can win. Yeah. I think he's talking about his offense, maybe as much as anything. Like, is that, is that what he is? He well, talking about his offense or the team? I, yeah. Cause I think the, the, to unpack some of this stuff, like, you know, he said, I don't really, I don't really know if they, I don't know if they really think we can win every game. Like if that mindset, if that's the mindset that is, that's got to change. Yeah. And I don't know who, and that's, what's hard is when you're talking about a, a, a football team, there's so many different, you know, there's so many different guys. I don't know who, and there's two sides of the ball. 
not sure who he's really talking about there, but I also don't think he's the kind of guy that just throws something like that out there lightly. I mean, that's quite a statement. I don't, I don't know if they really think we can win every game. And so that mindset has to change if that's true. Um, so, but, so, but I liked everything overall. His honesty was refreshing, but I like what he's saying in that, you know, he went on to say that, you know, that that's, that's the expectation not to just go to a bowl game. We can win the West. You're in first place, act like it and play like it. But see, I think that's very telling about the state of as much as these, we say these players can shake it off and it's a new season. Like, They've lost a lot of games for many years now. And you it's harder to shake that um whatever that thing is that sticks to you when you lose. Mm-hmm. And you lose close games over and over and over. It's like human psychology. You just somewhat seep in that like this is what happens to us. And I think what he's saying to me is. Even though we won, he's still going. He's not seeing the like they thought that was supposed to happen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think it, winning will help this. The more they win, the more they're going to believe they can win. But they've lost so much, they almost believe they're probably going to lose. Yeah. And that's what I hear from that statement, um, which what? just shows like you got to win so you can keep believing that that's what you should expect. You should expect to win. Well, and it's not only what has happened. It's also how they've been in a roundabout way treated in that when your head coach gets fired and your defensive coordinator gets fired, I don't know how that wouldn't kind of mess with your psyche a little bit. Yeah. Where it's like, man, we're so bad. We're getting to dudes are losing their job. And, you know, like, and you you hear the stuff like, man, they think so little about this team in this season. They're willing to like, and I'm not saying like, I actually think Trev and now that, you know, hindsight being 2020, I think like his decision gave this season a chance to have success. But I think you could view it as like, man, they think so little of us. They're willing to just scrap the season now and fire the coaches, you know, like, so there are things working against those, the confidence thing, but I'm totally with you. Like, I think it's clear that, and this is a, this is an outsider that wasn't a part of all the losing that comes in and says, listen, I don't know if they really think we can win every game. I'm not sure these guys think like that. No, I mean, right now they are, they're trying to figure out how to be a team that can win a game. Right. Not we're going to win the West. They're not even thinking like that. Now, what Whip's point is, is like you're number one in the big 10 West right now. Like I know you don't believe it because it's been crazy around here. It's been drama around here, but just look where we stand. It's a new season. We're in first place. Quote, quote, tight. Yeah. Even though, but we are. And it's not a lie. Our freaking schedule is easy right now. We have Rutgers, Purdue. Purdue, Illinois, the next three games. Okay. The last part of it, it's hard, but we have three games that very winnable games. But even in, 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 in trying to play devil's advocate about the final games, 
you have a Wisconsin team that is struggling, and who knows? Now all of a sudden they got thirty nine year old Jim Leonard, who's never yeah. been a head coach. Like you don't know what kind of Wisconsin teams coming to town. Yeah. I have a lot of respect for Iowa football. I do, and I know that's blasphemous to say, uh, as you know, being a Nebraskan. But like they can't score. They can't score. Okay, like they can't score. That plays into our hands. <laughs> right. So like I'm saying, they can't score. So for as much as I don't think, I think going to Kinnick and winning and going to Iowa City and winning is really hard. I'm just saying it's not like they can't score. They can't so, score. Wisconsin's in a rut. Um, Michigan's good. Michigan's really good. And Minnesota, uh, all of a sudden, Minnesota just you got go, beat. whoa, all of a sudden Purdue came to Minneapolis and and yeah, I mean, and beat them. And you go, well, what's going on here? Yeah. So everybody's vulnerable in one way or another. And I think Whip, you can see him trying to speak it. It goes back to what I said on Sunday. It's the Henry Ford line. If you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And this, it's the tale that they tell themselves matters in confidence right now. There's, I'm sure Whip is trying to like get those guys to believe because you got to believe it. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I'm Mr. Championship winner ball here, but like, I, the idea, like, I truthfully, I don't ever remember a game. I don't remember ever taking the field or taking the court and thinking, like, we're not going to win this game. No, I, I or never. Like, it's so I just, a part of me is like, wow, I can't believe there'd be even a thought like, you're not going to win. I would think, well, we're going to win every game. No, Why I, wouldn't we win every game? I mean, I'm trying to think of the best teams we played. Like life. when you played USC, USC comes down college game day. Oh, we thought we were going to win. Right. We, just, like, we, I, we, we knew like we didn't discount how good they were. Yeah. Like that's not to say you don't respect your you opponent. Go, Man, these guys are good, but here's what we got to do to win. And you're thinking about how you're going to win the game. Yeah. And so it's, it's not thinking about, man, we don't even got a chance. It's more like, oh, this is actually, these guys are actually good. Right. But like, here's what we got to do to win. Right. Right. So, and, and I, I don't know that that's the mindset where with a lot of these guys just because they've never experienced consistent winning i don't know and i thought i just thought whip's whole answer was i liked it i thought it was interesting y'all i also loved his final thing he said quote i'm a realist if we don't get there i'm not going to be here anyways we win the west i'll ride mickey's coattails well so so the so that's also goes, like we he said we win seven all you know like so that's where i, I it makes me curious of Mickey's like, you know, we were kind of Trev stuff last week. Yeah. yeah. But like, does Mickey need to win more games than we realized for him to keep the job? Like, does he got to win? Does he got to win out, which is absurd. He, he, like, let's say he wins everything but Michigan. I think he keeps the job. Oh, fuck yeah. But if he wins, do we have seven games left? Mm -hmm. If he wins three and loses four, I don't think uh, this tells me I don't think he's getting it with that. If he wins four and loses three, Depends on five the four, and two, but six, five and two. Yeah, I think five and I think two. I think five he and above. He's the guy. Four and three, though. Four and three, man. Because that's seven. No, it's six wins. If he wins game. four games, he goes to a bowl. If he wins four, if he goes four and three in these final seven games, that means he beat one of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, or Michigan. He beat he beat one of those teams. Purdue, Illinois. Yeah, so if he wins four, I think he's I think he's staying. I think he's got a really good I think shot. he's got a really good shot, I should say. I think he's got a really good shot because that's six wins. 
and it's under tough circumstances. Um, but I also think he's got to win the next three to even have a shot at winning one or two more. Right. So uh, here's the problem. Well, yes. Because think about this. If you're Trev, you can't let him lose three and win the last four because if he loses the next three, you're already trying to hire somebody else. Well, I even think Trev, that's what's so weird. I wonder what it's like Trev's world is like right now. Like you're, you're probably rooting for Mickey. You probably on some level want it to be Mickey, but you also can't get emotional about it. And you, in the meantime, have to do a search. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. so you, it's like, you got to go out there and, and do your job in trying to figure out who the next head coach is going to be while supporting yeah. Mickey and rooting for Mickey. It's a weird well, situation. And I guess if you're going to hire somebody away from another school, yeah, you got to wait anyways. Be announced till yeah, till the end, the end of November. So yeah. I guess that that's to make Mickey's benefit, unless it's somebody that's not currently in college football, right? Then it could happen earlier. But if it doesn't, then it's well. Let's get into then. A lot of this starts with this Friday. I was looking up, so let's do a kind of Rutgers preview prediction here. Tipsy predictions? Yes, tipsy predictions here. The headline on uh, NJ.com, which is like a New Jersey website here. Yeah. This is the, the headline of the story. Nebraska is a must win for Rutgers to keep arrow pointing up under Greg Schiano. Just to give a sense of like the other side. Like there's this feeling from apparently Rutgers people like they better get a roll in or they better win this game, better kick Nebraska while they're down. If you want to try to keep any, any forward momentum. Yeah. Interesting. When you look at Rutgers, they've had massive offensive issues against FBS opponents. So excluding they scored 66 on Wagner, but against Boston college, they, they won 22 to 21. Top me off here, brother from another. Ooh. Oh, you're getting unselfish. Look at you. Okay. I appreciate that. So Boston college, they scored 22 points. They won 22, 21 temple. They scored 16 points, 116 to 14. Iowa, they got beat 27 to 10, only scored 10 points. And Ohio State only scored 10 points, 49 to 10. So offensive output, 22, 16, 10, 10, 14 points per game. They're averaging 268 total yards per game. So offensively, they have not been very good. Their quarterback situation is a little shaky. Noah Vegel's been banged up. He took his first snap of the season against Ohio State. Gavin Wimsett didn't suit up against Ohio State. Their third stringer, Evan Simon, has thrown the most passes this season. Mm-hmm. My, my thing for you, I got two questions for you with this game. Excluding the, the opponent, give me a sense. Did you ever play a Friday game or a Thursday game? A short prep. Shorter prep, I should say. It probably helps that they just come off of, came off of a bye week. You know, it's not like they've played five straight weeks and now they got a Friday game. Short prep, the fact that it's a Friday game, big deal, not a big deal. I'm going to start there. Mm, I think what's hard is they, it's probably benefits Rutgers just because like they're, they've been trying to like install a new defense, you know, like it, that's the part that probably helps Rutgers. One less day for Nebraska to um, prepare, right? With new, you know, like time is time helps Nebraska. Uh, lack of time hurts him. What about? And I think this is a big factor. 
this is Nebraska's first true road game. And you're doing it with a first-time head coach, too. Yeah. I think that's a big deal. I think the first time you go on the road, it's just different. It's just different. It's harder, but... Um... I mean, I think, I, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like this has a recipe and this is why, like, I just go back to, I don't want to deviate too much from what I thought at the preseason, even though I've seen now we've that, I mean, what we thought heading in and what we've seen, I just feel like this game has a recipe for a loss short week, first road game, all these changes. I just think the recipe is there for them to go to New Jersey and just come out a little flat struggle a little bit. Shiano's teams are pretty tough. I don't feel good. Nebraska's favored right now. They're favored by three. I, I, I don't feel good about Nebraska. So here's my, my worry is, uh, I mean, the offense, I, I kind of never know exactly what we're going to get out of the offense, but seemingly we have, like, we come out hot, we go cold, we find another, or another point to rally. We've never put it together for a whole game, but... I kind of know what we got. I think we got some talent and some players and the lines up and down, but the defense right now is where I'm, uh, if they play well, we win easy is what I'd say. And this is a game that suits. I mean, this is an offense. Like I just said, it's an offense that has struggled. Seemingly this game is set for us. I am skeptical right now that our defense, uh, I'm just a little skeptical you know, like things worked out. We came out with something different. Now we have to do it again, right? They had a they had a week to look at our like yes reform defense. So I, I I I'm very hesitant that I think we can easily come out and have a a great game. Now if we do, I think we win easy. I think our defense. Yeah, I think Rutgers is flawed, and I think Rutgers is is ripe to be beat. But man, like we are trying to do a new defense in the middle of the season. It's hard to do that. I, um, I mean, like I said, our secondary issues have been real. Um, and if we don't get those corrected uh, and a coach sees a, a weakness, it can be a long night. I just, I'm not ready to completely say Nebraska has cured themselves of all that had ailed them. No. So even though, and like, again, this is an Indiana team that didn't have their top two wide receivers and it was tied going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm not, I certainly don't think the world of Rutgers. I'm just, I want to see, they got to go, Nebraska got to go prove it to me again before I can pick them. So to be honest, if I hate doing this, like if I had gun to my head, I got to pick it. I'm taking Rutgers in a close one, probably like 24, 21. I would probably say the exact, I would say it's, you're going to take Nebraska in a close, like gut is, is Nebraska wins, but I don't feel great about it. I really don't. I, I don't feel good. And I mean, I think the offense, it's more about the defense. If the defense plays well, we win. Even if the offense isn't great. Like if the offense is great and the defense is bad, we still lose. I think that's what I. That's what I think. It'll be interesting. This is a fascinating game. Yeah, and another game, and we do this every like this is now the biggest game. This is the biggest game, but like 
I said last on the recap pod, like any roadmap to making this season interesting and Mickey having a chance at keeping the job, they had to beat Indiana. And a lot of the stuff you could probably apply to even this game as well. I These think, are probably yeah. their two easiest games they're going to play for the rest of the season. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, this game is a must for Mickey because I think if he wins this, he buys himself one loss. Mm-hmm. So he can win this and lose the next game and the fans are still being it. Yeah, if the they problem, split the next two road games. Yeah, the problem is if we lose this, I think that the one win keeps a good chunk of the fans in it. Uh, but a loss, you sort of start feeling that apathy. You start, some of the players start doubting again. Yes. Uh, they need a couple. Of, we still haven't had our three wins in a row in, since Frost got here. Which is Nick, wild. Think about it. Yeah, think just, about it. That's why I wanted to win three in a row because the players and the fans have not felt three wins in a row i'm that's my number two would be nice if you get three it changes our attitudes completely completely so i'm gonna take rutgers in a close one i hate doing it i'm just i am in like i should do it you gotta i gotta like you gotta prove it to me again i'm sorry i just you gotta prove it to me again that yeah, you're there. This is still the same team. There's still the same players that were out there against George Southern and Northwestern and North Dakota and Oklahoma. They go in this game. Things are get interesting, but I'm going to I'm going to take Rutgers in a close one. But it, it's first road game, short week. All these changes. I, I'm we're at a wedding on Friday, so we're gonna have to DVR it and watch it on Saturday. Yeah, but I still don't know how it's going to work. I don't know how we're going to do it either. The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza. You know, there are a lot of ways to to greet someone. Hey, hi, hello, what's up? Another way is, what's popping? Well, here's the thing. That greeting has taken on a new meaning now because the answer to what's popping is now Runza's new popcorn chicken. That's what's popping. Runza's new popcorn chicken is amazing. Little bite-sized, delicious all white meat chicken that make any day better immediately. I love them. My wife loves them. My kids cannot get enough. Two-year-old Mac, six-year-old Mava are constantly wanting to get it popping. Great for a snack, great for a meal. Pair them with the best crinkle fries on planet Earth, and you are set. All I got to say is you need to get out to a Runza location nearest you and get it popping. What's so hard to understand about that? Get it popping with Runza's all-new popcorn chicken. Runza makes it all better. Okay. You want to talk some closterman as we as we say goodbye? Let's do it. Can you get your phone ready for me? Yes. Okay. Well, look at you. I didn't even realize you wanted to. Okay. I got the, the Apple Music up for you. Okay. Pull this up. Okay, so for people who don't know, Chuck Klosterman, one of the uh, a great author, highly recommend a lot of his books. Uh, he wrote a book called "The '90s: A A Look Back at a Very Very Interesting Decade on a Variety of Levels," and he covers a bunch of different stuff. So, I bought this book. I read it. I gave it to you, Bo. You read it, and you want to start this conversation with a song. I think I know what song you're probably going to do, but I, I I don't think you do. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to do the. It okay. applies to the book. Okay. But uh, I know what you're thinking, and I've you've you've zigged and zagged me here. You've juked me, <laughs> you zagged me. Yep. So I'm gonna just do it, and we're gonna go from there. Oh. 
Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots and ruined your black tie fair. Oh, that's the wrong guy. <laughs> Who is this? Last one to show I was the last oh, no. one you thought you'd see there. And I saw the surprise. The fear in his eyes. Oh, okay. Is this it? Is this what you wanted? Champagne. I toasted you, said, honey, we may be through, but you'll never hear me complain. Cause I got oh, friends yeah. in Okay. Low. Okay. So it started, yes. Because he talked about the, it, but a lot. They don't, have, lot. they don't have Garth on Apple Music, so this is the only oh. song for this Because this doesn't sound, okay, this so in my Garth. defense, I didn't. This, this isn't Garth Brooks. Okay. So it was supposed to be Garth, but it says. I am Garth Brooks, but it's not. I am Garth Batman, Brooks. Michael Keaton. Yeah. Okay. They did. They talked a lot about. So the point why I thought it was a good uh, lead in is because in the book, it goes down so many rabbit holes with music. Yes. But it, it kind of reminded me with the point of you forget Garth Brooks was probably the number one artist of the 90s. So yeah. they talk about Smells Like Teen Spirit. They talk about Tupac. They talk about West Coast rap. They talk about grunge so much. But in the end, when it comes to album sales and concerts, right. Garth Brooks was number one in the in the 90s. Right. So um, I totally forget. I would be right. Right. You know, like I don't think about Garth Brooks, but like I just thought this would be fun to, to play a little Garth. But yes. this isn't Garth. But it still works. Your point still remains the same. Your point, point still lands. Yes. But, but that, no, you're right. I thought you were, because I thought you were going to do Smells Like Teen Spirit. I was going to, but I knew That's what know. I thought you were going to do. But, so this was supposed to be Garth. It's better when it's Garth. Uh, Friends in Low Places is kind of Garth's, like, my favorite Garth right, song. But, right. Uh, I just found it, like, when you think back to the 90s, like, Closer makes good points about how Garth kind of represents this, like, moment in time where... Garth didn't have to be something that like divided. He was just sort of like, everybody's fine with Garth. Right. You know, and a lot of people uh, disliked grunge. A lot of people disliked uh, hip hop. West Coast rap. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like everybody was kind of like, oh, Garth's fine. Like that was a moment in the 90s where everybody sort of was okay liking the same thing. Yes. Yeah. And. Because did they have anything on the an achy breaky heart in there too? That was my other okay. Because that one was, I was the thinking other, about playing. Yes. So because that break. was the other big thing. Yeah. Because that was a huge hit in the nineties. And it was like I think Kloshman talked about how could that be a hit? But he basically said like during the moment you were everybody was like, well, yeah, yeah, we're like, just okay. fine with it, right? <laughs> you know. So, uh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So uh, that's good. I like it. Yeah, so, I like it. I I mean. There's so many different. I don't know where you want even want to take the conversation because there's obviously. I mean, when you recap a whole book, there's a lot of different things you could go with. Yeah. Um, I thought one of the early on in the book, it talked about something that I remember dealing with. Now, what's hard is like in the '90s was our we were teenagers, you know, like we were, you know, we weren't adults yet. So your your perspective on things is different. But at the same time, there are certain things in this book that it really really touch you because it, it sometimes it. sometimes you it. really live those moments like they talked about early in the book one of the general thoughts he talked about was like in pop culture whether it was music or just in general was remember the term sellout 
That's what I wanted to talk to you about. Yeah. Was a big, and I remember thinking like the worst thing, arguably the, there were two things that you, you could be labeled as that was like yes. a scarlet letter in the nineties. The first one was a sellout. Yes. And then in conjunction with that was the worst thing you could, you could be is someone who cares. Yeah. You can't care. You can't like, care. It's not cool to care. Right. Um, the worst thing in the world is you sold out, man. Kurt Cobain. I don't want to be famous. I don't want to sell out. I hate that I'm famous type that like yes. that at that attitude. Um, so actually it's funny you said that, dude. I marked this. Uh because that was like one of my main because I, I just remember being in middle school and at Irving Middle School, and you're really caught up in that, right? You're trying yeah. to like, you know, I mean, it, I think in some ways, in some ways, like ages 12 to 16 are like really hard years. Yeah. I mean, you're they're really hard. And I remember at that time, you of course you care. But you but we we in that moment, caring was the worst thing you could do. But that's so I remember I, I remember that internal struggle a lot. I think that's like there's always that, you know, rebellion moment of teenagers across all generations. Yes. But unique to the 90s, it was caring sucked caring was meant you're lame i don't think that applies to kids nowadays i don't I either now it's cool to care and that's the part that i think closerman hit on the head so this i i marked it's funny you said that uh i marked this just for this talk but he was yeah. talking about kids you know ages 18 to 29 um when asked about like what's the worst thing about america like today they would say capitalism capitalism is the problem with america he said the same thing if you look at the 90s uh when a semi-educated young person asked to identify the root cause of the most america problems um he it would not have been castle capitalism it would have been more like con commercialism yeah like you're commercial you're a sellout you're a that's what it was and i don't know what it was about that period but it caught it caught a moment in time where selling out was the worst thing. So I started thinking about that. Like, okay, why were we so obsessed with selling out? And why today, like, if you look at NIL and stuff, that is selling that out. That is literally and selling it's out. the coolest thing you can do right now. You can hawk any project. Like, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of Instagram people are famous for selling out to whoever you wants to. Like, absolute sellouts. I mean, you are, like, the term brand you are a brand yeah yeah think about right. saying that in 1995 you you, you would be the worst thing in the world sell out pose like poser was the word you're a right. poser you're a phony and i still feel some of that in my adult life i hang on to that um that's that 90s sell out yeah. thing when you become an adult though and you kind of go man i kind of got to sell out a little bit you're not like well, you yeah, go, you'll it, work for a corporation you're kind of selling out but yeah, you go you're right i mean like like it's look it's, at what we're doing you know I mean, like i mean like it's wayne and garth like yeah wearing you know the the reebok gear and it's like right man it's the worst thing you could do selling out. yeah like yes but that, i know it's because even you hear people you hear kids talk now about like their brand you, that's a good point. Brand. Like their brand is the very definition of selling out. And, and for people that didn't grow up in the nineties or weren't alive in the nineties, they don't understand how much that was like the worst thing. Well, You're a sellout yeah. to care, all that stuff to care about money. They care like about it, money, to care about money, your appearance, uh, or like if in, or, 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 or in it, music, like if you were a musician, 
if you did a, a record that was that seemed like you had it was too clean or it was right. too or if you were playing around the sensors or you know you toned it down because the networks ask you to or what you name it right uh like you lost your credibility or something right and i don't think that's even a thing now yeah doesn't that, even exist. It's funny that I guess that's amazing. If that was your one of my one of I the mar- I literally marked one it. of the f- my most really like popped in my head reading it was like yes, because being being a teenager during that time was hard. Because again, like I said, of course you care. You want to impress girls. You want to be cool. You it was this weird like you wanted to be cool, but you can't want to be cool. Because yeah. that's not cool. No. Wanting to be cool. So how the cool. fuck do you be cool? Welcome to our lives. You do and your thing and it's and it's just badass. You just by do itself. whatever you got it. You know, that's I don't what it is. play by your rules, right. Miss Teacher. Yes. Hey, Miss Teacher trying to educate. Education. I think we fell into this trap too. Education's not cool. Right. Like right. educating yourself. Getting good grades. It was almost embarrassing. Cool. If you were around people and you told someone like, hey, what'd you get on that test? If you said I got a 98, it would be like, what a dork. Yeah, there, there was a you, you learning was stupid. Like learning, learning was stupid. Was not caring cool. about your grades was stupid. Yeah, caring was 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 lame. Just that would be, I. The thing I wrote down was worst thing could be to care. <laughs> to care, to care. That's a it's our weird. Which is an amazing sentence to say. But if you in the nineties, there was a period of time where that was the case. And you know what's? I think I would. I'd be interested to see if like, you know, cause we have people listening to this are awesome and they always share. I, I go sometimes on YouTube now, yeah. like look at what they say. Cause it's like, it's fun to listen. They got For great sure. little yeah. insights, but it'd be funny to see if people kind of felt this where you were, if you came from the nineties and that was your coming of the age, caring was not cool. And then at some point in your life, you had to make the decision. I got to care about stuff. Yeah. And it was, it was kind of hard to go it from was. like from visibly being like I can't show I care about anything to being like I really like this. I am being enthusiastic and supporting this outwardly. I'm caring about this, and I don't have to worry about if it's cool or not. There's a moment you have to get to to do that, but I think for our generation, it was a struggle. It was a big struggle. It's a struggle. Like you had to get. 10, 20 years past that to like, just be like, like, okay, I'm going to embrace I'm okay. it. Listen, I care. Like doing these things that I care about and I can, you know, like versus being like, it's not cool to care. Yeah. But that was one of my first things. One of the, my big prevailing takeaways early on in the book. Um, you know, there was a million different things. You know, they talk about Jordan playing baseball, the steroid era in baseball. They talked a lot about the OJ Simpson trial yeah. in some ways. The OJ Bronco chase is is arguably the most iconic moment of the 90s. <sighs> By the way, Klosterman, and it was a perfect way, the way mm-hmm. his final chapter of the book is like uh, perfect. Like it, it is the most yeah. perfectly well-written like way to wrap. The, basically the 90s, his bookend of the 90s ends on 9-11. The, the nine, when the Twin Towers fall, the 90s, I think the, ch- the chapter is called the decade to end decades. And it's that's how it, it ends in t- September 11th, 2000. Even though it's in the 2000s, yeah. but e- but like it's a good way to 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 bookmark the end of it. Uh, Cuz the start of it wasn't 
it wasn't uh, 1990. It was like, I think it started with uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yes. Like it, it was marked. So that had been like 92? 91. 91. So there was a bunch of albums. It was like, I think he had Red Hot Chili Peppers, Tribe Called Quest, and Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. All Or Nevermind is yep. the album. They all came out in the same week in, I think, October of 91. He said, like, the start of the 90s, how we know it, was there. It ends in September. So it's like it's not like January 1st, 1990. Right. It's, yeah, it's October thing, and it ends It is September. an interesting concept in and of itself of like a decade doesn't necessarily – a decade isn't necessarily a period of a, a starting date. It's it's a thing. It's a it's – a, it's a, it's a whole entire culture movement way of life that yeah. doesn't necessarily begin on January 1st, 1990 and end on, you know, on, yeah. on December 31st, 1999. But yeah, because I do feel like there was a, like Kurt Cobain, Nirvana smells like teen spirit from there to nine 11. That's the nineties. Yeah. I mean, there are things that have obviously happened before that, but that is, and he talks a lot about how it was and how we remember it. And I loved actually how he talks about how people nowadays can't understand. Like he talks about Bill Clinton. He yeah. says, Bill Clinton had an affair uh, with an intern, an intern in the Oval Office, lied about it. His approval rating went up. Right. He says, people now can't understand that. He says, at the time, though, you have to understand with the way the world was and the way we thought, it made sense. Right. And we can't, like, young people now wouldn't be able to understand that. We lived through it, and we all remember, like, oh, yeah, it kind of did at the time. Right. Now it doesn't make sense. But that's the part that Klosterman dives into, uh, like, just how how the – we see things in retrospect versus in the moment. And that's something human beings have a tr hard time dealing with how we think about things. Yes. Years and years, 20 he, years he later. Tried it. One of the things I've listened to him, I had the, you know, I listened to a lot of his stuff on his book tour before reading the book, which was actually helpful. He talked about, and I don't know if he referenced this in the book, how he actively tried to steer away from nostalgia. Yeah. Because he, in his mind, nostalgia is like in some ways, only remembering the good things like you're like and you you he he tried to really go back to the 90s and just take things for what they were yeah and so you're referencing stories articles different things like in the moment how people felt about you know various things and it, it's a fascinating book it's just, and it's fun i mean me and you like we're so we talk about the nineties a lot, but like it, it is our seminal decade. Yeah. You know, the two thousands happened, <laughs> but like, I think about the nineties more than the nineties seemed like, and a I more, don't know why I, I know it seemed like a more impactful decade culturally for some reason. And I again, maybe it's like just because like you're, when you're coming of age, things resonate with you more. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, I, that's I did, a tough one. I did think, uh, this isn't in the book, but I listened to Klosterman talk to Colin Cowherd. Mm -hmm. And and Cowherd asked Klosterman, what was your favorite part of the 90s, your favorite aspect of the 90s? Having read the book, lived through it, all that stuff. And his answer was 
was was really 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 good and i think it hits to a lot of what i how i feel and i'm going to preface before i kind of paraphrase what he said with like again this isn't the the right thing to say but what Klosterman said and i think i echo it is he said there was just less social pre- social pressure to be involved with society that there wasn't pressure to engage in the social discourse. If you wanted to, you could, but if you didn't want to, you didn't have to, (laughs) that it was completely fine and normal and acceptable to have thoughts and kind of keep them to yourself. And he referenced that that went for celebrities too, that there wasn't this expectation for Michael Jordan. Now he got backlash for not uh, backing a certain democratic uh, North Carolina candidate. That, that was almost 20 years later, 20 years later afterwards. Yeah. Or, or he goes, there wouldn't have been an expectation for Leonardo DiCaprio after Titanic to give his take on the social discourse of the world. In fact, mm-hmm. it would have been seen as weird to ask him. Yeah. And his line was the stakes felt low where the idea of just being a person going through life with your own problems and thoughts was completely acceptable. And how, again, he, he says, and I get it. Like I get that that view can be used viewed as troubling and viewed as selfish. But I think to a certain extent, I think for people that like, one of the things that was telling to kind of land the plane was everything about the 2000 election yeah. on how you think about our political climate. And I actively avoid talking politics on my podcast, all that stuff. That's not to say that you and I don't talk politics. And that's not to say that I don't have thoughts on politics. I'm absolutely do. Yeah. Uh, but it was so interesting to go back and read in the book for the 2000 election. It was Gore Bush and the general feeling <laughs> heading into it shit. was who cares? They're the same. They're the who same. cares? Our country won't be any different. Who cares? It was, Think about how cares? far that is Think, off. So we are 22 years later. Can you think of of less of an applicable way to describe a political climate than who cares? They're both the same. Democrat, Republican. Uh, what's like, the difference? What's the difference? What's the Gore, difference? Was Bush, the consensus? What's the difference? Oh my! Isn't that nuts to say? It's Reading nuts that is crazy. But I think that's probably what I liked about the book the most is he made that point that the '90s was the culmination of like. I think we were very prosperous. It was, for the yeah. most part, there was no major financial issues. Um, there had been no major conflicts. I mean, the, the Iraq war in the early 90s was quick. Yeah. But Desert Storm. But for the most part, we'd had no major conflicts since Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And a generation grew up with just, like, everything was good. And they f- fell in this weird attitude of, we don't care. But, like, really it was so good and low stakes that you could just like enjoy popular culture for what it was, for what it was and not have to be involved in politics. And it was just almost like a simpler, lower stakes time. I love that. He said the stakes felt low. The stakes felt low. And I think anybody that grew up in the nineties knew that like, it didn't feel quite so intense. Yeah, there were pockets and things. Oh, yeah. But for the majority, and I would say we fall in the majority of like middle America, it was pretty like you didn't have to worry about the intensity of the noise like we do now. Right. And then and then that gets 
you know, I mean, obviously you have now with 20, the 24 hour news cycle changes that because he talked about like he references at the end uh, newspapers before 9-11 and just how everybody just was operating almost in their own little silo. Like what was happening here, people didn't know what was going on there. And it was just this. But but yet it all worked in yeah. this thing we called America in the 90s. And so it's just it's, it's, it was again, the final chapter to the book was like I've never finished a book in where I was just like. Man, good close. That is a per, that is just a really down. good. Yeah, he said the towers fell and the nineties did with them. That's that was great. Uh, randomly, I I went to New York last month. Yeah, and uh, I stayed right by the nine eleven memorial. Yeah, and I walked down and yeah. it's, I, it's cool. You've seen it? I've you been know there. what it is? Yeah, you've been there. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the it's fountains un, yeah, that go down, down yeah. and one tower now. So I didn't know if that's. I mean, I assume it's symbolic that they kept one and they didn't want to build two. So they have one. Yep. But that's like, right. So I just going there and literally being there. It is. I mean, because yeah, I mean, I think you like that moment. A uh, a um, uh, a moment nobody can. I mean that that's yeah, that's, that's an moment. all yeah that's that was in our lifetime that's the moment it is and the, and the other thing was Columbine Columbine was a huge I remember almost being affected just as much by Columbine as I was nine eleven at the yeah. time because you know I mean it's it was a school shooting you go to school there there was an abstract nature to nine eleven that was hard I mean I remember being at Southeast and we had to go meet with I remember meeting with a counselor yeah uh, and the way they tried to explain terrorism was just so. It was so abstract. Yeah, we're going. And you're like, what? I think you know, that was I mean, the, the loss of innocence in our country. Like for the kids that grew up in the 90s, right? Like, you know, like we went through middle school, high school in the 90s, and you just didn't have to worry about almost anything. And then 9-11 happens, and you kind of go, oh. Right. You know what I mean? It was right. a, it was a big change. Um, Columbine was a little bit, I mean, Columbine was a big deal for me, we, at least. I'm, we, I mean, I, we went, we played at Columbine high school yeah. two years after. And I remember feeling like nervous about being there. Oh, I yeah. remember walking in, there was a kid that had a, like a fake gun. I think it was more like some sort of like symbolic thing going on. And I just, but I remember being like, like it was like, it felt eerie I, to be in that building at that time, it totally. was like it was a it was a surreal thing. I went to uh, one of the back doors that they had on the TV coverage of a lot of the kids running out of it. I went yeah. to that door, and I remember like literally like the hair oh, stood up on my arm, and I was just like, "Oh man!" Oh. And I vividly remember. Uh, so this may have been the year before you and I went there when I went with the with Southeast. Like the first play of the game, I stole it from the, we played Columbine high school at Columbine. I stole it from Columbine's point. The first play of the game, like they win the yeah. jump ball. I pick him up at half court. I rip him and I go get a layup. And I remember like, I felt bad. Yeah. You're like, I, oh. I literally wanted to be like, I'm sorry. It man. was a, it was a crazy moment in time. Like I couldn't believe we were there. I couldn't believe they had the tournament there. Yes. It was like, uh, is this a good idea? I remember being like, we're going to Columbine. Like, yes. When you said the word Columbine, it was, it was in a, 1999, 2000, 2000. It was like, yes, it might as well. It was like saying like, we're going to twin towers. Like it felt right. that scary. Almost what a uh, steroid era baseball. Um, you know, he wrote a little bit about that. Brady Anderson. It, yeah. To me, Brady Anderson was the standout because. Oh, his numbers. 
I think I think if I remember right, they said he had hit 18 home runs was his that sounds right season high in the next year he hit 50. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's the whole like, oh, he works out, it's really working out hard. Yeah. And you just you just start thinking about that. You just start thinking about how hard it is to hit a baseball. You start thinking about how hard it is to just play that sport at a high level. And to go from 18 to 50 is unthinkable. It's a it's a it's it's an unfathomable jump. It's almost equivalent of like Barry Sanders had fifteen hundred yards. Now he had thirty five hundred. Right, you go. You know, like it's not just double. It's like oh, it's such a number that you just go. Wait a minute, like. But do you remember? See, what's hard about it is like, and it, and what's hard is I was into the home run race. Every America was. Everybody was into it. We were into it. And I'm I'm especially I have a, I have a really really jaded way of viewing this because I was at my dad and I were in St. Louis. When McGuire hit his 61st and 62nd home run, I was there. It's yeah. one of my all-time favorite memories, especially with my dad yeah. and all-time favorite sports memories. So it's like it's hard for me to then put on my glasses and and view that me- memory negatively. But do you remember? Now, granted, we were pretty we were younger, but I th- was there. Was there any cynicism about it at the time? Not as much. I here here's to me. I think people rationalize it with. Uh, you know, like it's the modern era and people learned how to work out better. And yeah. I think most people writing about it and watching it didn't want to believe they didn't want to believe that, uh, these guys are cheating because they're enjoying what's happening. Right. You, 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 that's the part that I think we subconsciously just turned a blind eye into yes. in the night. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't, I, I honestly I mean, Nick, don't remember what I thought at the time. I just remember I was really into it. Oh, I mean, Nick and big Mac and Sosa, like uh, to me, it's like Brady Anderson hitting 50 home runs is worse than what they did. <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't no, know. They I know gave, what you're saying. They gave, like, us a, they gave us a moment. Right. I think Barry, the Barry bonds gets, uh, tarnishes it not because he did anything different than Mac or Sosa, but Mac and Sosa gave us that, that little moment. They right. gave us the, the back and forth, right? People need baseball. Wasn't a bad spot. Yeah. The, the strike that did a really bad thing for baseball. Um, and, and they, they helped bring it back. The problem is, is like, I mean, bonds, like I said, he did nothing worse than those guys. It was just, he didn't, he didn't uplift everybody with the, in the way that the rivalry yeah. that Mac and, and Big Mac and Sosa did. So um, it, it's all, a sh- it just sucks that baseball, baseball turned the blind eye. They did too. So they needed to in 92, 3, 4, uh, Brady Anderson hits 50. Everybody's getting tested. Yeah. That's, that's to me, <laughs> yeah. you don't go on strike. Right. You test everybody and say, we'll find a way to not strike and right. get through this. And baseball, I would love to see what happened to baseball. If they didn't, if they did, if they yeah. handled the strike in the steroid era better, because Nick baseball is a second class citizen right now. Well, that, and that's the thing is they even talked about MJ and playing baseball and how baseball was still viewed at this sport that was viewed as different at that time. And yeah, because even when you contrast it now with Aaron Judge and his home run race, is he still in 61? 
I think so. I I I, 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 I couldn't believe how much how little attention he got where he was, and then all of a sudden I hear he hit sixty one, and I go, I, I mean, I've been, I was blown away. It hasn't been covered more until he hit sixty one. Right. No, but it's it's wild to compare the 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 coverage and the and the fervent nature of how people are consuming Judge versus like McGuire and Sosa was the biggest deal. It was it was it was huge the summer of 98 because it was 98 right yeah i thought the so. summer of 98 i just remember it was every day you were checking to yes. see they did a, and you were every day they center, were, you were, they were the cutting paper. in yes. they were cutting in their at bats and right. shows and that all was i know is awesome. my mom when i would when i would get home from my mom would update me she was like salsa hit another one she would always call him salsa 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 she goes salsa hit another one i'm like salsa mom it's salsa but she would tell like yeah and uh, it's a, it's a, and just think about when Mac hit it and like Sammy came in and it was like genuine, like those guys genuinely appreciate each other. And you like that goes a long way. Yes. They were they were good guys to each other. They were the right guys for the moment. It was St. Louis and Chicago. Too. It was St. two Louis it was Cardinals in the cut. It was two iconic, you know, yeah, Major League Baseball League teams, you know, like it was it was yeah, it was perfect in a way. It's just too bad. That, you know, we have to look back and be tarnished because it was such an amazing moment. Yeah. Anything else with the book? Nope. I'm glad we both read I it. I know. It's it's, it's our a great era. book, man. It's our era too. That's where um because it's funny, I I listened to Klosterman on Simmons years yep. ago, and he was talking about David Halberstram's uh yep. the fifties. Yep. And I read that book and absolutely loved it because Klosterman was a big fan of it. And then like three years later, he did he his version 90s, of it, yeah. so I was waiting for this for a long well, time. Well, all so. I know is you and I are Clusterman fans, and when I heard he was doing this book, I got it basically the first day it came out and and couldn't put it down. Oh, man. And it is uh, anybody, like a lot of listeners are, they're, ch- they're children on, or, or people of the 90s. Highly recommend checking out that book. Agreed. We went almost two hours. We got People got things they got to go do. Uh, we may not have things we have to go do, but people have things that Let's be real. Go. Let's be real. Make some time, people. This is worth it. This is worth your time. Okay. I love hey, it. Well, this is fun. Hey, if you if you come this far, maybe you're willing to come a little farther. That's, yeah, uh, I like that's that. the old Shawshank line. So. I like it. Okay. Well, recap pod. Rutgers. We'll uh we'll have to DVR it because we're at a wedding on Friday, but we'll watch it. We'll recap it. We'll get there with it, okay? Here she comes down same morning. No, morning. No, no. Hey, hey. A Huda Media Production.